Archimax login confirmed. Welcome to the Lodge. You've accessed the LodgeCast experience. Warning, warning. Dangerous spoilers ahead. Enjoy. Episode 72, Hey, Motherless Brooklyn! Hello and welcome to another edition of The Lodgecast. We are at the City Walk. I'm your Lodgemaster. With me as always is Brother Bishki. Hello. (laughs) And Brother Lucas in the back. Hey, hey. And this afternoon, I could not be more excited about the guest we have for you. Without her, this podcast, you would not be hearing it right now. It would not even exist True. Because it is the Hothead's own mother, Sister ML. Woo! Welcome 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 to the LodgeCast. Thank you. Welcome to the edge. Oh my lord. I'm already I'm already watching what I say. Now the language on this podcast gets a little salty. Is that going to offend you? No, that won't offend Uh, me. Okay. I just I I would be remiss if I didn't uh, just ask about the coarse language that sometimes no i definitely picked up some bad habits for sure (laughs) so let's let's talk about this a little bit because lucas you've been telling me a lot of things will become clear once you meet my mother (laughs) yeah so mom i don't know if you realize this but my my nickname on the show is the resident hothead because i tend to get pretty heated he runs a little hot about movies that don't quite work like my mom asked me about the irishman on the drive-in and i was just lamenting my (laughs) crestfallen reaction to it um, but and, like I can get pretty worked up, can I? And I sometimes mean, he is in the minority, like the Irishman. We're going to lose our podcasting license for what was said about the Irishman. Yeah. But it's perfectly in character for Lucas because he is the resident hothead to just pop off and be firm in his conviction of his ideas, which I think is a great trait. Yeah. Like on Joker, he just went off and I loved it. But I have to <laughs> I have to believe that some of that came from the mother. Um, we had a big family and we had to talk loud. To get, <laughs> we had to talk loud to get over the next guy in order to be heard. That makes sense. That makes utter sense. Did did he let's ask let's ask this sensitive question. Did he tend to fall asleep a lot as a young lad, or was was he usually awake and alert? Well, he was two months premature. Okay. And he had a hearing disability. Lucas. Until he was about six. You didn't tell us about this. <laughs> My humble beginnings. <laughs> we, I guess we would have gotten a little easier on you, but maybe not. That means I cut out. I slept a lot. I think I was sleeping in an incubator for the first, what, like six M- weeks? Month, yeah. Yeah, first month. And I think when my mom, yeah, would take me out to restaurants as an infant, I would tend to just fall asleep right there, right? I could sleep <laughs> in the, the middle of, like, Jerry's Deli. Actually, you were really good up until the food came. 
And then when the food came, I had to eat in five minutes so he could get out of there because he'd start cranking up. He'd start being Windy, a little hothead. Winding up. So Sorry about I was that. told the waiters and waitresses, you better get the food here quick because we're going to have to leave. <laughs> I love it. And do you remember taking him to, to films as a, as a youngster? Oh, yeah. What oh, yeah. Do, do you know, like some of the earlier ones you took him to? Well, he owns every Disney movie that was ever made. Wow. Yeah, pre-Disney Plus. This is VHS. And Betamax. This is the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. Old Yeller on Betamax. Was Family Robinson on Betamax. And was he a well-behaved lad in the theater? Oh, absolutely. That's great. Transfixed, just mesmerized, (laughs) just completely hypnotized. No, he loved films. Was there any sort of rating restriction in your home growing up? No, because if I had rating restrictions, he'd just go to his friends and watch it. That's true. And you'd like you'd like him to figure all that stuff out under your roof where you can supervise. <laughs> um, I never really had to. You know, I just thought, well, if you're going to see it, you're going to see it. I love it. Yeah, that. I remember one of my one of my favorite memories is when we lived up north. It's my 7th birthday party. Had a sleepover, and uh, Brother Nathan will appreciate this. We all watched uh, Tim Burton's Batman because it had just come out on oh, home, wow. home video. So that was like the event of the night. And at that's our a house. pretty adult adult film for a youngster. Yeah, no, we were the right age for it. It really resonated. Felt a little naughty, a little a little dangerous. Yes, yeah, a little, little dangerous. Ris- little risky. It didn't get all the jokes. I love that you had no ratings restrictions. Uh, Bishki did have ratings restrictions, yeah. but he... well, mostly horror movies were yeah, ba- I, yeah, a lot of stuff. I missed. But then it was Rumspringa once you <laughs> yeah. once you hit college. Yes, exactly. Well, I was a single mother, so, you know, he had to take care of himself and from the time he was probably three. Yeah, a lot of Star Wars in those early years. A lot of Empire Strikes Back on repeat, lot of, lot repeat com- viewing. A lot of comfort Star Wars. Um, National Lampoon's <laughs> Vacation, which my mom actually worked on uh, as a casting associate. That, wow. that I grew up watching, you know, repeatedly that's you know a, that's before, a, before a, i really got the jokes later on that's a rather adult comedy it is so you were you worked as a casting associate what did that entail well i worked with marion doherty who was one of the founders of the casting society she passed away a couple of years ago and um the first m- movie that we worked on was escape from alcatraz wow whoa and uh worked on quite a few films and met a lot of people what was your? What were you doing? Like what? Was I was your... her casting assistant. Okay, so that meant just reviewing auditions, and did you give opinions? Well, actually, it's interesting for ordinary people. Dropping some big, big <laughs> movie well, names here. Robert Redford had called in and said, you know, wanted to speak to Marion, and she wasn't in. And he said, "Well, what do you think about Mary Tyler Moore?" <laughs> wow, oh, that's great. And nice. uh, I never met him, but I remember thinking, "Wow, he." asked what i thought about it that's great she was great so. that was great casting yeah that was inspired well done yeah ordinary people owes its success to you and you alone that's that's my claim on this podcast today beautiful <laughs> what uh is lucas can you think of any other things that, um that we should, one, we one other story here? that i kind of remember mom and maybe you can corroborate this but i have a vague memory it was like one of my earliest ones of you taking me to see Jaws the Revenge at the original <laughs> Sherman Oaks Galleria. And I think we did it on a whim. Like we had gone oh. to the mall 
for something. <laughs> and, you know, you saw that Lorraine Gray was starring yes. in it. And you're like, let me check this out. And I think I was a little too young because I remember being super freaked out. Oh, yeah. That was a scary one. <laughs> not, oh, realizing, yeah. not realizing it was like, yeah, that intense. And um, every time we drove from um, Northern California to Southern California, where my mother lived, every pool of water he'd go do you think sharks live in there and i'd go no mm. that's fresh water oh. is that fresh or salt water that yes. pond yes. i said it's fresh water you think any sharks are in there no i don't think so well jaws the revenge was especially terrifying because jaws like just follows the family like <laughs> down to the Bahamas or something. I just remember right? the opening being very, very dark and spooky yeah. because like yeah, the guy the thought music. the guy thought he got away, but then the camera tilts down and his arm is gone, you know, and well, it then then the shark grabs him. Like, well, yeah, it was pretty scary. Even though it was a headache afterwards, bless you for taking the young man to see Jaws. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Well, Classic. did you tell them, Lucas, how you actually got wanted to do film? No, I mean, I don't think I ever uh, told that story. Why don't you? Uh, no. Why don't you tell it? Well, Lucas was twelve, and he came home and told me he was in the Christmas play, and he had the lead. And I thought, wow. oh, great! I can put this in my Christmas letter. This is great. <laughs> He's got the lead. And he comes home the next day, and he goes, "Well, I'm not doing it anymore." And I said, "What?" He said, no, I quit. And I said, you can't quit because that was another thing. I didn't let him quit no. anything. He'd have to finish. <laughs> and he said, well, that teacher didn't, she didn't want me to do it the way I was do saying it. And yeah. I said, well, she's the director. Nice. He said, well, then forget it. I'm going to be the director. She didn't know what she was doing. And so for that play he was the stage manager yeah I turned, I turned the light on it was actually i was the voice of god and when they fired me i was the lighting man who turned the light on for the voice of god so it was like a total mind fuck she didn't like the way he did it and i said well that's because she's the director and you're the actor and you have to follow her directions and he said well then i'm not doing that it. rang in his ears it forever was, yeah, more then, then it was i'll mrs. be the director it was mrs carino yeah her daughter rachel was in my class um um, but I do remember that. Yeah, that was very accurate. Well, that's that's a great origin story. <laughs> that's how he got into it. Yeah. And may I just say, again, thank you for creating one of the one of my favorite people in this universe oh, by thank far. You. Thank just you. One of the yes. most beautiful, complex, talented minds I have ever encountered. Well, I, I feel the same way about you all. And uh, <laughs> you don't I'm, have to I'm, say I'm, that. I'm glad we're all one big happy movie going family, which is a good segue for today's movie. Look at this. Which is Motherless Brooklyn. Lucas is directing this episode now. And I don't <laughs> I don't think it's Edward uh, Norton's directorial feature debut. I want to say he might have directed uh, another movie before this, or am I wrong? I, is this uh, his first? I think you might be, he might have directed something before this. But like, Yeah, but this looks like he's calling in all the favors. This is yeah. his big, yeah, his big Warren Beatty reds. Did he write this? I think he yes. did. I think he adapted mm. it from a, a book published in 99, him. and it's based on a historical figures, so it's historical fiction. I want to um, I want to test out a theory that I have. All mothers love Edward Norton. True or false? 
I like him. Okay, good. True. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I I was really a big fan of American History X growing up, and that is actually the first rated R movie I did see legally as a 17-year-old oh, wow. unaccompanied uh, by a parent or guardian. Wow. At the Burbank 8, I might add, because that was the only theater in town that was playing it. Nice. So much history in Burbank. <laughs> so the main thing that I know about this movie, the only thing I know, is that... Edward Norton has Tourette's in it. His character has Tourette's. And that's kind of what all eyes are on him about is, is is this going to be one of those Oscar grabby affliction films or... It appears so, like the King's Speech, you know? But what do we think? Do you think he's going to pull it off? Do you think by the end... Well, he's a pretty damn good actor. He looks like he can do it. I mean, Primal Fear, I had that poster up in my bedroom. Now, don't Uh, talk too much about Primal Fear because Brother Bishke hasn't seen it yet. It's on my confessions list. Oh, well, don't worry. Don't (laughs) worry. My lips are sealed. But what I'm saying is he's a very good actor. Like, he, he, I think he is, uh, he's assured to get some kind of nomination from some organization it's just it's a high wire act when you're writing and directing yourself in a role such as this he's got to keep it up for two and a half hours for the two and a half hour running time running time yeah but i think i think if anybody can do it he can uh we're rooting for him i think bruce willis is in this film at some point alec baldwin plays the heavy alec baldwin yeah just uh he, he called all his buddies and he's like i'm putting on a big old show Come be part of it. Classic yeah. Hollywood, yes. It's classic, <laughs> old school. They don't make these mid-budget dramas anymore. Period dramas. Because, I mean, essentially Norton, what it is. What's Norton been doing other than showing up at the end of Alita Battle Angel to all of our delight? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, he's, he's just working on this. Since he dropped the Hulk or since yeah. he lost the Hulk. You probably spent the last five years developing and shooting and doing this. This movie seems pretty grand and epic, honestly. Like, yeah. I'm glad we're seeing it on a large format. And this yeah. is this is kind of its last hurrah. I think it's on the way out of the theater. Yeah, so. I told yeah. my mom this is the only place it was playing for, for <laughs> yeah, our Yeah, I said, <laughs> we're going there. Now. I know. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we had to be. This is not what I call yeah. easy in, easy out. <laughs> no. you know? We were supposed yeah. to meet in Burbank for Judy. But, but I know, yeah, I, know. I, I could not attend Brother the, Judy, could not the attend. Judy was great. The Judy Summit. Uh, I heard that ML, you had some, you had some choice words about Renee Zellweger's performance. Yeah, she was way too young to play it. I mean, they didn't age her correctly, <laughs> and I think they could have had Annette Benning. Ooh, who, yeah. Who, mm-hmm. Was closer to the age and dumpier too. Yeah, I saw <laughs> Judy um, in person. Oh wow! Um, before she died, and it was pretty sad. What was what was the context for seeing her? Um, my former husband worked at Studio Fifty Four. You're, you're killing me here. We we we're doing a podcast about motherless Brooklyn, and I want to go off on all these other tangents. He worked at Studio Fifty Four. Yeah. As in what capacity? As, as a waiter. Oh my god! Amazing. Oh. As a waiter. <laughs> Pretty hot. Hot well, tracks. <laughs> well, if they do, if they do a, uh, if they do a re-release of Studio Fifty Four, the movie, we might have to have you back De- definitely. on definitely yeah. fill in some blanks. But we gotta, we gotta stay on on target today. Motherless Brooklyn's the movie. <laughs> yes, I am not motherless. Let's, I am no. I am absolutely motherful. You are motherful today. Motherfully yeah. grateful. And we are very grateful to have you both. And uh, let's go check this out. And uh, let's let's check it out. Very very sensitive. Very nice. Sorry. All right. Love and light. Love and light. Love and light.
Well, we've been keeping it muted. It's been 2.5 hours. Wow. And we're back. Long, long walk to the car, too. <laughs> I mean, You're just... You're out of shape. Just, just like uh, Edward Norton's character in this movie. The longer he keeps his Tourette's ticks inside, the more they boil up and the more they want to come out. So... From Rotten Tomatoes, set against the backdrop of 1950s New York, motherless Brooklyn follows Lionel Esrog, Edward Norton, a lonely private detective living with Tourette syndrome, as he ventures to solve the murder of his mentor and only friend, Frank Minna. Bruce Willis, armed only with a few clues and the engine of his obsessive mind, Lionel unravels a closely guarded, se- closely guarded secrets that hold the fate of the whole city in balance in a mystery that carries him from gin-soaked jazz clubs in Harlem to the hard-edged slums of Brooklyn, and finally into the gilded halls of New York's power brokers. Lionel contends with thugs, corruption, and the most dangerous man in the city to honor his friend and save the woman who might be his own salvation. <laughs> wow, that is an epic synopsis. Edward, yeah, Edward wrote right. it himself. You think he wrote that? Could wow, be. yeah. No, it's very eloquent. Well, right off the bat, he addresses the elephant in the room, his Tourette's affliction. And I thought I thought he acquitted himself pretty nicely. He's like, you, you're going to want to laugh, but I'm not trying to be funny. He's, he's basically letting the audience know. Through voiceover. I Through mean, voiceover. You're right. It's very abrupt. Very yeah. abrupt start. But what what uh, what's our first blush impressions? ML, you kick us off. I thought it was brilliant. Oh, wow. Beautiful. I, I lived in I lived in <laughs> Manhattan. Um, in the mid 60s, the mid to late 60s. And I got the true flavor. That's what New York looked like. Nice. Um, Brooklyn, I mean, it was gritty. It was shitty. (laughs) Um, I was there for Mayor Lindsay and all that crap was happening. I mean, it starts out in the late 50s, but it took a long time and they did exactly what Alex Baldwin wanted to do. And that is they uh, cleared out the Toontown, they, man. They, yeah. Toontown. I mean, we, we lived in the city and it was exactly how they showed it. I've never seen a movie that was so close. It's expensive. To, I mean, they had a lot of period oh, yeah. cars. Yeah. I mean, a lot of period It was background. very expensive, I would think. Yeah, they would take over stoops. This was all location uh, work, without a doubt, you know, with the exception of the last shot, maybe. But, but And uh, the only other thing that um, they showed on the clock when he was going back to meet the um, guy in the jazz club, that jazz club wouldn't have been empty because the bars were open till four <laughs> and they would go all the way till four. Right, right. right. Yeah. Um, that was the only thing that I thought was maybe they cleared it out or he cleared it out for, you know, that reason. I don't know. Sure. But that would have been, would have still been hopping. jumping. Yeah. And his writing, I thought, was just phenomenal. Well, well yeah, I thought it was pretty wordy. I mean, a lot of dialogue and a lot of exposition coming out of a lot of people's mouths. Yeah. Um, I mean, every scene is an audition scene. I mean, that's what's so... There's <laughs> so many true. audition scenes that I was just of characters. P- p- picking them out. Yeah. Um, and at a certain point for me, I don't know how about the rest of you all feel, but 
I thought this movie could have worked as a play. Like it almost felt mm. like a play, with the mm-hmm. exception of that opening kind of car chase where they're they're tailing Bruce Willis, which was I thought very suspenseful and and well executed. No pun intended. Mm. Um, <laughs> the rest of the movie was very talky. There's a lot of talk, right. a yeah. lot, a lot of talk, and I think Edward Norton did an admirable job directing it because he does add a lot of visual inventiveness to it. Like when he comes home finally for the first time and through voiceover kind of warns us like, you know, smoking weed helps me with my Tourette's and then he gets home. And so he's smoking weed. I didn't expect there to be so much weed in this. Yeah, it was very modern. It was a very contemporaneous kind of thing. And then when he like got high, he laid back on his bed, but then he kind of cut him cut to himself, like going underwater to kind of show the audience, like, this is how it feels for me, you know? And it was, it was, it was beautiful. It was very melancholy. And yeah. And and the the Tourette's, um, I thought, Eventually, I kind of got used to it. Right. Like, it, it took, you know, initially it was, like, getting interrupted a little bit. But eventually, you, you kind of get in with the Norton's character. and He's, It stays pretty consistent. Like, usually yeah. in these movies, if they have an affliction like Tourette's, it'll it'll fade out when when it's less convenient for it to be there. You know, mm-hmm. like, when, when they need to be delivering a lot of really important dialogue. But... He, I mean, it's pretty consistent. He's he's yeah. he's twitching and and yelling, doing his thing, yelling Bailey frequently. And, yes, yeah, and if and if, if, and if, um, if. well, one, he also one, had OCD. Right. Yeah, yeah. He had to touch people, you know, a certain three amount of times. times. Or yeah, close the door three times. There were yeah. a couple of people that walked out. I don't think they could take it. And there was there was there was one couple that walked out. Maybe really? an hour, an hour in, like there one were, hour. They stuck I it out ha- for a long time, and then I think they realized, like, oh, there's another hour and a half. It was after Edward Norton was like talking to his buddy, and they're like, "Do you ever realize that nobody orders car service on Tuesdays?" And then Norton yells out, "Tits on a Tuesday." And the couple walked. Yeah, I think that's, that's <laughs> yeah. What, they um, shuffled out slowly. Pushed them over the edge. Yeah. But there were there were people behind us that were just like so engaged yeah. that whenever there was a plot yep. point or a twist, they were like audibly gasping, like, <gasps> yeah. like I mean, they were really. And they were you know, they were basically in. at home at, on their couch too. They're like they were now, talking at full volume. Now, when he said that, I didn't, I didn't hear any of that. <laughs> yeah, well, luckily you didn't because I knew you would have shushed them had yeah, you did. I would have embarrassed um, you. <laughs> but but I, I, I think that the movie has got a great story, but I feel it would have been better in a shorter format. I think at two and right. a half... There's it started, a little, yeah, it started, he could have cut out lo- Yeah, it started to lose me with the the jazz club where they're dancing in, in real time almost to a full song, and then he meets Michael Kenneth Williams, who's this just trumpet player, and I was just like, can we please get back to the story can we get back to you well, know lost some momentum or something i'm, on the, I, I'm I, on the flip side of that because i much like the irishman where i wasn't fully tuned into the inside baseball of the unions i'm sure it's very very intriguing for a lot of people but in this movie i was more intrigued by the relationship than i was by the housing discrimination plot Hmm. I just I don't know why I think just because I was kind of brought in by Norton's affliction and then his love interest kind of calming him starting to be able to calm him down a little bit and just the look on his face while he was experiencing that during that dance in the jazz club and not to mention 
the Norton Tourette scatting along with the jazz band. Like that's <laughs> that's just money in in the bank for me. Yeah. Yeah. But I I feel like and his performance having to do that through that whole movie. Uh, yeah. Amazing. That's yeah. really I mean he's got to be pretty athletic to be able to, yes. to do yeah. that. But yeah. I, I feel like I the, bought it absolutely. Oh there, yeah, no, he sells it. Like, there was a really... lot of there was a lot of gumshoeing around in the first hour that I feel like if you tightened it a bit, you wouldn't lose anything. Yeah, like, I, I was snoozing in the first hour, but once I picked up on the Chinatown <laughs> plot, right. it's pretty much Chinatown in New York. It's, yes, it's, it's, it's Robert Moses, who I've never read. Has anyone read The Power Broker? Or uh, it's it's a it, he's the big New York developer. I'm not big on that. And that's Alec Baldwin, in and this. that's Alec Baldwin, and he, and he's played or his name is Moses Ru- Randolph. Yeah, so he's basically yeah Robert the same Moses. Same guy, yeah. And, and, big fictionalizer. And I, I'm not you know super clear on the whole history of new york and the i heard world. i heard one little snippet in uh, the new yorker that said the yeah the, the alec baldwin character who was basically the head of the borough authority would literally take the money from the toll bridges which were only supposed to last for like a couple of years after the bridges were built but he just kept them going because he would literally take the money from the bridges and bring him right into his office. Like, yeah. he would literally go from the bridge into his office, and yeah. that's why his office was, like, right outside the bridge or whatever. Yeah. And I ba- mean, it was Baldwin, that flagrant. Baldwin was finding plenty of opportunities to weave a little trumpet there, too. You could yeah. tell. Oh, absolutely. You could see that twinkle yeah. in his And I appreciated eye. how he photographed Baldwin's introduction, where he kind of shoots around Let's him. Talk about and, that. and you yeah. get this presence. They don't show Baldwin's face for... At least a couple minutes. Yeah. Maybe, maybe in, like, 90 seconds they or almost Comedically obscure his face. I think that, that I, but and I think, he didn't chew up the scenery. And he didn't. I, no, I, he no. was actually. I really bought him. He was trying. He brought his A game because I think Edward <laughs> Norton and him probably rehearsed it and and like didn't go with the obvious. Norton was like, "You're choices. gonna you're gonna do a favor for me, but I'm also gonna do a favor for you by restraining the hell out of you." Yeah, but it was refreshing because Baldwin has been so overexposed with he, just thirty rock caricature and, of himself. Yeah, TV yeah. shows and the roast and all that stuff. But I, I, at a certain point, you know, I, I was with it. Like, I was definitely like, you know, this is a man who is just power hungry the way John Houston was in Chinatown. It's a good, it's a good uh, bit of casting. You know mm. what wasn't necessarily a good bit of casting other than Leslie Mann? Yeah. <laughs> I would say uh, the elegy for Bruce Willis continues I, I he's not he's not there. Well, Bruce, he's only got five minutes to Bruce to, ju- to bring a presence. Bruce but. Willis is just not there. His eyes, it, it, there's nothing behind him anymore. Yeah. I, it's it's been happening for a while, and I, I agree that they didn't give him much to do. But mm, I don't know. I you wouldn't have remembered him if if, if you he, didn't have the flashbacks of Edward Norton right. always right. talk. Right. Con- constantly talking about him right yeah he didn't he just no. didn't make enough he doesn't have the gravitas yeah i think i think i had a problem actually with the whole opening scene at first because it does start so abruptly in medias race where these these two low-level you know private investigators are, are meeting their boss and i wasn't even clear yet that they were pis i thought they were all mafia or sure. goons or something <laughs> but it is like it's just this rapid fire dialogue period stucco and you're getting slang. up to speed with norton's Tourette's correct. during this correct and so you got to kind of like brace yourself and and get oriented and you're right when bruce bruce willis's character 
was reciting the dialogue, it <laughs> sounded a little phony or fake. It was, where, it was reciting. Where, 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 yeah, where you were just kind of like, oh, this feels weird. Like, I'm not in, I'm not in. And then once they got going, once kind of Norton took over, I was like, I was more easily, you know, accepting of, of the aesthetic, I guess. Like, and they dropped a Willem Dafoe on us. I forgot he was in this. I didn't even this. know he yeah, was I in did, this. Yeah, that's know. another favor. What a, what a national treasure. Yeah. I mean, he's always committed. He he's always there. He's always there for it. He's like the anti yeah. Bruce Willis. He, he benefits he every 100%. movie. He's very yeah. manic. Yeah, he was intense. And yeah. that's I mean that's what this movie needs. Like it suffers from what my goodly wife and I refer to as bluesy trumpet syndrome, where if you're deep in the movie and that slow muted trumpet just kind of takes over, it does nothing for the pacing. Like if you're if you're not on the edge of your seat, you're going to be laying way back further in your seat at that point. When you have a movie like that, that's a period piece and you got the bluesy trumpet going, you need a couple manic performances to just wake you up a little bit mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's not yeah. there's not a lot of action in this film. Not that it is an action film, but you know, it's just it like you said, it is dialogue dense and it does I I really feel it picks up in the last third of it. Yeah. But it is that, you know, forty five minutes to an hour and a half chunk where you're just like where now? Where is this going? Like there's in the opening, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The 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 tension the tension wasn't really high for me at least, but it was interesting just because it's a story and a subject matter you don't really see or hear about in movies very often. I mean, housing discrimination and yeah. uh, I mean, I'm guessing the book it's based on is about gentrification in yes. modern day Brooklyn or New York or something, but. But he transferred that to the fifties. Right. Edward Norton took the book because I guess it was basically the the motherless Brooklyn book was set in the nineties, I think. Right. And he was like, he's like, this that's is, the nineties isn't going to have what? the gravitas. It, it really happened. The Chelsea Hotel. When I lived there, we lived close to the Chelsea Hotel. It was uh, boarded up. You know, it they were slums. Right. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, Soho is like the hottest thing, you know. But it's interesting, though, that he did set it in the 50s or back in the past because, you know, I'm always thinking in terms of drama and I'm thinking, wow, this this uh, housing authority, you could easily apply it to like Mars and make it like Total Recall Part 2 or something sure. and make it like completely sellable or commercial where you get a much wider release and much more studio support. Although Warner Brothers did distribute this, which was kind of shocking to me. Um, so I guess Edward Norton was calling in whatever favors all he had with, with Warner Brothers. Yeah. Um, but uh, Is that a- he, He's so nice to look at. Ooh. So nice to look at. <laughs> very handsome, handsome young he ha- man. He has I'm, aged well. Very I mean, well. he's not pretty, but he's... He's really easy on the eyes. He used to be pretty, and now he's, he's soft. He got a little soft, as we all do <laughs> in old age. He's looking pretty. I mean, Fight Club was twenty years ago, and he still has boyish, pretty good, pretty good boyish. Yeah. Look yeah. yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah he's looking good. Yeah. Stay off the booze and cigarettes, kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, Lucas, I, I like I like your uh, gentrification on Mars concept. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, think, I, think I you got something there. <laughs> well, no, I was just thinking, you know, I, I was thinking like this is interesting to me because uh, I do have connections to New York and, and one of my relatives lives in Brooklyn to this day. And I was just thinking while I was watching it, though, does, would this matter to like anyone else? Like you really kind of have to care about the world 
and this character with Tourette's because if you don't, it's gonna like be it's going to be really hard. Yeah, it's going to be very very. But hard. I think there are enough places in in the country that um, can relate to the gentrification. When was the last time you've been back to New York? Um, the last time I was back was probably thirty two years ago because I think Lucas was five well, when I when I. Uh, took him to New York. Maybe you guys need to go take a motherless Brooklyn tour. Yeah, a little, <laughs> little movie movie tour. All the locations. Yeah, I don't think I have to go back to New York. <laughs> that that pool that Alec Baldwin was swimming in was pretty impressive. That looked you nice. Know, it was like yeah. a public pool in New York somewhere. Yeah. And the Art Deco. I yeah. mean, they, oh, yeah. they, the and they show, showed the buildings. Yeah. I mean, those old buildings, you know, they got rid of so many of them. Yeah, it's too bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some technical Oscar consideration for this. I think so. Yeah. But do you think do you think Norton's going to get his nod? That's what he wants. Mm. <sighs> I don't know. I, I thought for <laughs> sure going in he would, but but it's so naturalistic, and it's spread out over such a long time. I I don't think it's going to land as hard as like let's say the King's speech did for voters. Sure. You know. So I I bet. Well, he, I he, think he'll be nominated. He might get nominated, which would be the award itself. He's but, at least going to get a Golden Globe. I think there's going to be some stiff competition this year, so so he might not have a chance. Uh-huh. I don't know. It depends how many people Defoe see in the this. Lighthouse, so. Yeah. Defoe, Defoe is a lock, right? Defoe's a lock for, for the, the lighthouse. Wind. He should be a lock for the wind. But anyway, <laughs> we'll know. see how that goes. Any other any other thoughts uh, about about elements of this there's, film? There's a Radiohead song. There's oh, a yeah. Radiohead I thought theme. I was like, oh, that sounds a lot like Tom York. And at the end of the movie, the Daily Struggle, the, the title song is by Tom York. So yeah. that was him. And they L- interpolated into jazz a few times yeah. during it. Yeah, I did notice that. But I know Edward Norton's a big fan, so. And you could just see him, you know, typing away on the script, listen to that on repeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Making himself cry. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go to them motherless bones, shall we? I can feel it in the bone. Sister ML, I don't know if the bone structure has been explained to you, but uh, your son is an expert. <laughs> so, yeah, our rating system is based off the Video Hound Movie Retriever Guide to all home video formats. <laughs> and it's a zero to four rating system. Uh, so zero bones would be a wolf, which means, you know, watching your neighbors travel vacation movies would be less painful. Uh, might be <laughs> redeemed by stretches of unintentional amusement. But then it goes one bone, one and a half, two bones, two and a half, three, three and a half, four, um, with each rating getting more and more uh, appropriate. So like, for two bones, you wouldn't recommend it to anybody. But for three, you might recommend it to family members. For four, you'd recommend to strangers, that kind of thing. And Lucas adheres to what we refer to as the Old Testament of the bones, which is linked to who you would recommend it to. Mm-hmm. Correct. <laughs> uh, to me, it's the simplest fix. It's like the easiest answer. Sure. So you you, know? you That's can, how you get your bearings in the wild. You can go by that or you can just follow your heart. And three is really good, and four is really, really amazing. Almost perfection. You can marinate on that for a minute. We'll start with Brother Bishke. What do you, what do you got going on here? Yeah, I, I um, didn't know what to expect at all, other than I knew what uh, the affliction was of, of our hero, Edward Norton, and he um, I thought he played it well. I was snoozing a little bit in the beginning because I, I caught you. didn't know what was going on. I only caught you because I was falling asleep too. And sometimes <laughs> in these matinees, I 
it's kind of like really late night for Lucas where I'm just kind of just kind of almost on the edge of drifting out. It's Sunday afternoon. What no, do you want from us, folks? No, no, I know. But but for some reason, the matinee is, is not my strongest waking point. But um, <laughs> yeah, but once it finally gets into the Chinatown plot, then I finally got I was pretty entertained throughout the rest of it. Um, like that first encounter he had with Edward Norton and Alec Baldwin. That was a great scene. And, and uh, you know, Edward Norton's definitely a smart guy. Didn't hit as hard as some of Chinatown's revelations. Um, but I will um, award it two and a half bones. Two and a half bones and, from Brother Bisky. Uh, I uh, was entertained. Brother Lucas, ski-bop, biddly-bee-bop. Yeah, you know, I'm going to piggyback off uh, Brother Bishke's two and a half and give it two and a half myself. Uh, just because, yeah, it's that running time that, that the first uh, hour I was really kind of in tune and was like, OK, this is great. And then it kind of slows down a bit and uh, you kind of get lost in the weeds and then it picks back up for that final third, those 30 minutes, you know, um, but it's solid. I mean, it's technically sound. I mean, he definitely is a uh, a consummate craftsman and and knows how to stage a scene and and knows how to let the actors play which is great. I just wish it was a little more finely tuned or just a little shorter and I wish if it I think if it was it would have landed harder. Mm. There would have been a lot more tension and stakes, but you don't really get them until like the very 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 end almost. Um and and uh yeah, it was definitely I think a struggle for me in that middle section. Two and a half bones from LT. Now let's see if memories of New York and Edward Norton's pretty face is going to sway Sister ML. What do you got? I'm giving it three bones. Boom. Nice. Mm, very good. I'm giving it three bones because um, of the length. Yeah, it could have been shorter, but it was the writing was very intricate and you really had to pay attention. Yes. Mm -hmm. there, yeah, there's definitely no yeah. easy answers. I mean, the writing was, I thought, excellent. Not only did I give it three bones for that, but also I had to go to the bathroom. And nice. I felt like I couldn't leave. You didn't go. Because I didn't want to miss. I was already into it. Bishki, so. you hearing this? this is a, this <laughs> you hearing this? Yeah, I, I frequently leave, but I don't want to. Lucas but. infamously falls asleep. Bishki infamously leaves to use the restroom at yeah. key key moments always key moments so please learn yeah, I, I'll, yeah. I'll take that lesson sit yeah. in my seat hold that bladder and that's a good that's a sign of a good movie it yeah. is, is i think you yeah. don't you just don't get up because yeah. you can't you can't bear to miss anything yeah i think that's great so three bones i'm gonna go of the hive mind with the boys i'm gonna go back to down to two and a half because uh like i said let's let's tune it up let's let's pare it down a little bit edward i think that's why people aren't talking about this as much is because it's just it's just too big and there are ways there are ways to focus it i feel and but if, if you're it probably wouldn't go over well in in the Midwest. No. No. no yeah. You know, it's either for th the East or West Coast. I feel like if, if you're doing a period drama, you got to keep it tight because yeah. people aren't going to be jumping up and down to go back in time when they've been spoon fed like Marvel fantasy for the last 10 years. 
And I was thinking, gosh, yeah, like this movie should have come out, you know, 20 years ago or something or 15 I, years I ago. I think it would be a lot more warmly received if it had. Uh, right. They, it's they don't really an make, artifact. I mean, they don't really, really make movies like this. They anymore. don't. No. That's why I was like, how is this not a sci-fi, you know, blue screen <laughs> movie where he's like a robot, like it's Blade Runner or I don't know. But <laughs> Blade Runner gentrification. <laughs> I well, I it. think I think for what the movie was, I mean, I thought it was brilliant. I'm glad you had a good time here. We we routinely run your poor son through the ringer. Just last night, he had to he had to tap out of a movie that we went to because he just couldn't handle it. And we always love when he gets nourished. So it's good that that your first foray uh, into into our podcast was a nourishing one. It was a good one. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yes. Yeah, we'll have you on. We'll have you on in the next uh, movie that we feel would be right. Yes, it's got to be. It's got to be of a certain caliber in our minds. We're not going to take you to Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> a couple of those previews. I I leaned over and said, "Well, we can miss that." Yeah, yeah. Uh, there were a lot of bad ones. Won't be seeing that. Yeah, oh, yeah. We'll, we'll 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 bring you out for the prestige definitely <laughs> okay. yeah. definitely but thank you very much and Thanks, thank Bob. you i appreciate i feel it. like we're we're only scratching the surface of the surface of the surface so we can't wait to have you back and uh get into more hijinks with you okay that's motherless brooklyn y'all yes thank you so much love and light everyone love and light if if if, if. <laughs> love and light if i close my eyes Up two flights of staircase, squirming into Papa's embrace, and his whiskers warm on their face. Where's it gone? Oh, where's it gone? Two floors above the butcher, first door on the right. I fell to the brim as I stood by my window and looked out on those Brooklyn Rose Brooklyn Rose It was gritty, it was shitty.